That was a little different, wasn't it? Silence wasn't, wasn't quite as loud, was it? Silence wasn't quite as deafening as it was when, when, when I first stepped up here. Because when you were focused on Jesus, when you had something to focus on, it wasn't, it wasn't quite as bad, was it? No one was making, because that's the thing about silence, is sometimes silence can be deafening, can't it? And we're going to talk a little bit more about that later. But, but to begin with, I want to start with something in the Bible. We're going to start all the way in Genesis. And we're going to talk about silence. And I'm going to say silence caused sin to affect us all. It's kind of an odd statement, isn't it? Thinking of silence. But I want to admit I'm kind of making a speculation here. I'm kind of making, a, making an assumption or making a statement here that um, saying that silence caused sin to affect us all. But let me explain what I mean by that. We're going to look at Genesis 3, starting in verse 4. And now the serpent is talking to Eve. He's talking to Eve, and Adam is there too. So he's really talking to both of them. And this is what the serpent says. He says, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. Did you notice something here? They were both silent. Neither one, Eve didn't speak against this lie that the serpent was telling her. She Now, remember, Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden. Like, they were besties. Like, they probably played some cornhole together. They played horseshoes. They played. They hung out around a campfire. They probably told stories. But yet, Eve said nothing. She didn't cry out to God. I'm sure God could have heard her voice. She did, just remained silent. She said nothing. And then Adam, he just stood there. Like a typical male, did nothing. Watched it all go down. Watched it, said nothing. He could have also refuted these lies of the serpent. He could have cried out to God himself. He could have stopped even and said, no, no. But instead he just remained silent. They both remained silent. And as we can say, well, the rest is history. Because this event in history, sin entered into the world that has affected us till now. It's going to affect us from now until eternity. From now until the return of Jesus and there's this final judgment. Satan and all of his henchmen, all of those, those people are going to be judged and they're going to cast, be cast into the, this eternal lake of fire. We're forever in, trapped in this sin because there was silence. Now, I'm, this is where I speculate because I wonder, what would have happened if Eve would have said something? What would have happened if she would have rejected the serpent? What happened if she would have refuted those lies? What, happened, what would have happened if Adam would have put the pants on in the family and took charge? He didn't just go along with everything. That day in the garden, that serpent, that, that enemy, the evil one, did not succeed. What would this world look like? But we don't know. I can't, we can't stay there so much really... Again, in silence, wondering what the answer to that question. Because the reality is, that's not the world we live in. We live in this world right now, this fallen world, where Adam and Eve remained silent, and it affected us all. So here's a situation where silence 
It's kind of a bad thing. And sometimes silence is a bad thing. If you remember a few weeks ago, I talked about the innocence of a child. The innocence of a child is often, I, I said these words, I said is often lost by adults. Because many of us can share the story in this room. We can share this story of it was an adult or someone older us that maybe showed us our first pornography. That maybe gave us our first drink. That maybe first introduced us to drugs. And sometimes adults did things even worse than that. But we remain silent. Or we have to remain silent because we're just we're living in fear. Because we're told if you tell anybody, this is going to happen to you. And then what happens inside of us is this destructiveness and this behavior, it just kind of grew. And really our innocence was lost. So this silence can affect us for a lifetime. It does affect us for a lifetime. So silence, is, silence isn't always a good thing. Now there's another dark side of silence. Silence can allow sin to continue. Adam and Eve remaining silent. We may know something is happening. We may see it. We may know it. And, and we know it's harmful. We know it's destructive. We know it's sin. We know that this is life-altering to people that it's affecting. And we say nothing. We allow it to continue. Because maybe we're afraid also. We're afraid that if we say something, that we're gonna, harm's going to come to us. So we say nothing. We're silent. Maybe we just don't want to become involved in it. My life's complicated. I don't want to get involved in that. So I'm going to say nothing. Silence. Just that's not my problem. Not, I, I'm, going to, I'm, I'm not going to do anything about that. More silence. I want you to look at Proverbs 3, 31, 8 through 9 with me. This really, this is one of those verses, the more I reflect on, this is kind of a life-changing verse for me. So look at these words. It says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. Let me repeat that first part. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Those that live in fear. Children that are physically or sexually abused, they can't say anything because they're fear of being hurt even more than they already are. Women. You know what I'm talking about. Women that are, have been physically or sexually abused or are currently being physically or sexually abused. Even men are, can be physically or sexually abused. Women and men that are forced to even have sex with people or do things they don't want to do. And they are living in fear because if they don't do what they're supposed to do, they're going to be hurt. So they have fear and there's, they have nothing to do but just remain silent. In the pharmacy world, most of you know I'm a pharmacist. I've spent my entire, most of my, and I still do, I'm in the pharmacy. And most of my, God has put in my, and I feel it's a blessing. Like I have spent most of my time in the mental health world, in people with addictions. And those have been the people that are the majority of the customers that we have had. In fact, there's a pharmacy in the mental health center, and part of that is why. But as I've, as I've been there, I listen to all the stories. And I hear all the stories that the world says about this population. This population, they say they, they don't even know. They, they have no idea. And this population, they can't speak for themselves. So I've just mentioned a couple of demographics of people that this, I think this proverb is talking about. And there's a lot more. There's many, many more. 
But these are people that do not have a voice. They can't speak for themselves. They live in a stereotype or they live in a reality that they can't speak for fear of being hurt, fear of not being listened to, or people won't listen to them. And if they do speak, nobody hears them. So it's might as well have been, might as well have been silent. However, we all have a voice. I don't need to be silent. You don't need to be silent. We can speak up for those that do not have a voice and can't speak for themselves. Jesus, we've looked at this. Jesus spoke up for children. There was a woman that was brought to Jesus that was going to be stoned to death for adultery. This woman had no voice. Jesus spoke up for this woman. And she was not stoned. One of the most well-known stories in the Bible that a lot of you have known. If not, I'm going to tell a brief example of this story. But one of the, one of the most people love this story is who didn't have a voice but has a voice is Esther. Story of Esther. So let me just tell you a little bit about the story of Esther. So King Xerxes, through a series of events, kills his current queen, needs a new queen. Esther becomes queen. Esther is a Jewish girl. So there's this guy named Haman. Haman doesn't like the Jewish people, especially this dude named Mordecai, because Mordecai won't bow down and worship him. So he tricks King Xerxes to give this order that on this certain day, all the Jewish people are going to be killed. Now Esther, like I said, who is the Jewish girl, who is a queen, she has a choice to, she can remain silent, say nothing, or she can speak to the king. Which even just her requesting to speak to the queen, to the king coming into his presence can cause her to be killed. So she has a choice. Speak to the king on behalf of her people, all of the Jewish people who do not have a voice and cannot speak for themselves. So we're going to pick up our story in Esther 4, verses 13 to 14. Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all the other Jews were, are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. Esther's the only one with a voice. She's the only one that has the voice to speak to the king. Is there someone in your life? Who is in your life that you can be a voice for? Has God put someone in your path that you can be a voice for? Or is there someone that, that you know you need to go speak to this someone to be a voice for somebody else? To be a voice for those who can't? Or you got another choice. You could remain silent. And unfortunately... Too many people remain silent. There's a couple of more things I want to mention about this Esther story before we go on. There's still hope. Something in this verse is if you didn't, it said, it says, even if nobody is the voice, Mordecai says, if Esther chooses, if you choose to remain silent, it says the deliverance for the Jews will come from some other place. So there's still hope. Many of you might feel that you're, you're in that life. That is my life. I don't have a voice. And maybe you feel like you're giving up hope. Look at this verse and know that God hasn't given up on you. 
He won't give up on you. You can still have voice. That hope, that voice that you hope is going to come from somewhere here, God's still going to provide a voice from somewhere else. So hold on to that. Hold on to God and hold on. That, hold on to Him. That you Hold on to that hope you have in Him. Now those of us that need to be a voice, you should... No, it said, just because I have a voice and I'm not doing anything, I'm not going to speak to, I, I'm, it's not my problem. There's a warning in this verse to us. Mordecai says that by remaining silent, you will not be saved. And you and your relatives will die. God's given you a voice. For those that can't have a voice, don't remain silent. Now, what I mean by that is, also is we don't need to be destructive with our voice. We don't need to be harmful. But we don't need to let the voice allow the destruction to go on by us not using our voice. Letting the silence allow that destruction to go on. Think about the story of Jesus. Isn't he a perfect example of this story? Jesus came and we didn't have a voice. Because of Adam and Eve's silence, so maybe so look at it that way we were in where we live in sin we didn't have a voice we didn't have a voice to redeem ourselves from that sin that we actually created for ourselves jesus is that voice jesus who died for us to give us forgiveness for our sins and now has given us a voice he's given us a voice because that forgiveness has restored this relationship with the father has restored this relationship with god and we again have a voice a voice that we can cry out to God and be a voice even for those who do not have a voice. This whole thing of silence is pretty complicated, isn't it? I've kind of given you two examples of where, where silence is kind of, it's kind of uncomfortable, isn't it? Some consequences if I remain silent. So let's look at some examples of maybe when we need to be silent. Because sometimes silence is necessary. Most of us, I think, I bet everybody in this room just says, I just need some peace and quiet. I need a moment of silence. Or they'll just say, I'm going to go have a quiet time. I'm going to go to quiet. You know, Jesus, there's lots of examples of Jesus. He went to a quiet place. We often need silence to, to collect our thoughts. We use them to regroup. We use them to seek answers. We, we use them to pray. We study. We read our Bibles. At least that's hopefully what we're doing. So we spend time with God. Sometimes we'll just, we need a moment of silence so we can just make sure we make the right golf shot. This week, I needed some silence. This week, I, this week, I, you can ask the staff, like, I've got a lot, I got a lot going on. And I was running from the church to the pharmacy to somewhere else to the church. Like, it was, this is my day. This is every day for the last couple weeks. I just, I'm just going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Just run, run, run. And someone was asking me a bunch of questions. They were asking me a bunch of questions one day, and, and I, was, I didn't really know the answers, and I really wasn't tracking, and, and I just needed to stop and think. And, and I had to say, I go, what day is this? I didn't even know what day it was. So I, I took that as a cue. I, I, I realized, like, okay, I need to stop the noise for a minute. I need to stop, and I need to have some silence. And I did. And you know what? I figured out what day it was. I figured out, and, and believe it or not, the rest of the week was much better. 
But when I figured out what day it was, it was only Tuesday. Two days into the week, and I was already a mess. Sometimes silence is necessary. Sometimes silence is necessary also because we don't need to say anything. Sometimes silence is necessary because we don't need to fight back. We don't need to use our words to fight. We don't need to defend ourselves. I want you to look at Mark 15, verses 3 through 5. This is Jesus before Pilate. He's being accused of all kinds of things. It says, then leading, the leading priests kept accusing him of many crimes. And Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer them? What about all these charges they are bringing against you? But Jesus said nothing, much to Pilate's surprise. Now part of this interaction is to fill what we read in Isaiah 53.7. So let's take a look at that. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers. He did not open his mouth. Jesus didn't need to defend himself. He's fulfilling this prophecy. But Jesus, who is, he's being insulted. He's having accusations made about him. He's having stories told about him that aren't true. He's being spit on. He's being beaten. He's being falsely accused. And Jesus said nothing. And Jesus, as we know, is innocent. And what was Jesus' defense? Silence. He said nothing. There's a friend of mine, and actually as I was thinking about this, I can name several people who have been viciously attacked on social media. All kinds of accusations said about them. All kinds of lies said about them. Being drugged through the mud, really. And this one person in particular, he was in a position of ministry at the time. And he was going, I need to fight back. I need to correct these wrongs. I need to start refuting these lies. I need to say the truth. I need to say my side of the story. I need to defend myself. Well, he sought the counsel. He sought some silence. Asked some people. Sought some silence with God. And what he did is he chose to remain silent. And the attack stopped. He didn't add any fuel to the fire. He didn't didn't defend himself. And you know what? The fire went out. And it happened by him remaining silent. Look at this. Listen to this Proverbs 26.20. It's not going to be on the screen, but just listen to these words. Fire goes goes out without wood. And quarrels disappear when gossip stops. There's no wood. There's no fire. Then we're also told in Matthew 5, verse 11 through 12. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sort of evil things about you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Be happy about it. Be happy when people say all kinds of things about you because you're a follower of Jesus. Jesus might be saying, be happy about it and be silent. Shut your mouth because your reward's in heaven. You don't need to fight every single battle that you need to think you need to fight. You don't need to defend yourself. You don't need to defend your name because really you're, you're defending Jesus. If you're if you are living your life as a follower of Jesus, it's not you they're attacking. 
It's Jesus. Jesus is way more capable of defending himself than I am. Remember when Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was? This is in response to Mark 12. This is his response. found in Mark 12. Jesus replied, The most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel. The Lord your God is one, is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Loving your enemy. Who's your neighbor? Loving your enemy. Even when they're saying false things about you. When they're attacking you. You're loving your enemy. And how, you're, how are you loving your enemy? You're loving your enemy in silence. Being silence and letting love do the talking. Loving them do the talking. Which brings me to the next point. Silence is louder than words. I'm going to use this strange story about Jesus. You're going to go, why are you using this story? It's, it's kind of a strange story about how silence can be louder than words. The story we're going to look at is in Matthew 15, verses 21 through 28. It begins, Then Jesus left Galilee and went forth to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. For my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. A few comments on this before we go on. This woman tells us she's not Jewish. She is a Gentile. Someone that, that is avoided by Jewish people. Someone who also, as we point out, she's a woman. So you have a woman and a Gentile. There's no self-respecting rabbi who they consider Jesus to be a rabbi who will have anything to do with. Also, something, note this. She knew who Jesus was. She recognized him for who he really was. She says, O Lord, Son of David. She saw that. She knew Jesus was the Messiah. She knew the ones, this is the one the Jews who were supposed to know, had been waiting for it, they didn't recognize him. So here is a woman, a Gentile. She definitely did not have a voice. Someone that should be silent. She comes and breaks the silence. And she speaks to Jesus. Let's look at verse 23. But Jesus gave her no reply. Silence. Not even a word. Then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away, they said. She's bothering us with all her begging. Notice who was silent. Notice who was flapping their jaws. Jesus was silent. And I bet this silence of Jesus was deafening to his disciples. I bet they were uncomfortable. Being uncomfortable, you know, when we're uncomfortable, we, we just, there's silence. We need to start doing something about it. So they started talking, started flapping their jaws, telling Jesus, send this woman away. She's bothering us. When I think maybe they should have been silent. Like when I started today. Standing up here saying nothing, being un un uh, silent. Some of you were pretty uncomfortable. Some of you felt like you needed to talk. I started to see you start to talk to each other. Maybe, as I said, you were nervous. You were annoyed, maybe, confused. Whatever it was, 
I'm imagining that's how the disciples felt when Jesus was just silent listening to this woman. But our minds wander when it's silent, isn't there? Our minds begin to wander. We begin to think all kinds of things. When I'm silent, I, have, I can come up with all kinds of crazy things in my mind. And unfortunately, most of these crazy things are scenarios that aren't true, scenarios that are actually harmful. They affect me. Like, the disciples were probably thinking, like, this woman is wasting Jesus' time because they were silent. So that's what their minds started to do. It's like, she's wasting our time. She's bothering you. Get her out of here. But we need to learn to, to sit in that silence. Let that silence speak to us. But when we're doing that, we don't just let our idle thoughts fill it. We let the wisdom and the truth, the truth about God, about Jesus, we let the Holy Spirit fill us to fill the noise with the silence. Like when I prayed, you were, I had you focus on the presence of Jesus. Your mind didn't wander as much. You let the Holy Spirit prepare you even for the time when you need to have your voice. When, the, when you need to have the Holy Spirit give you words to break the silence when it's appropriate. So let's finish this story. Starting in verse 24. Then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. But she came and worshipped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. Jesus responded, It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied, That's true. Lord, but even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great. Your request is granted, and your daughter was instantly healed. Silence of Jesus. Silence of Jesus was louder than words. They were louder than words for both the disciples and the woman. Both had time to reflect. Both had time to make a response to this silence that Jesus was giving them. The disciples missed it. They missed what this silence, an opportunity for them. The disciples saw this woman as bothersome and said, Go, send her away. The woman saw the silence as, okay, here's my opportunity to continue to interact with Jesus. This is a, a, some silence that I can speak, I can break the silence, and I can use my voice, and I can reveal my faith. She revealed her faith to Jesus. She showed Jesus that she knew who he was. That he was the one that came to give life. That he was the one that could heal her daughter. This woman who had no voice because she was a woman, because she was a Gentile, she's the one that broke the silence and it says she worshipped Jesus. This woman, that this odd passage, it talks about this food for the children and it, and it that reveals to us that, that Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is God. He is the one that heals. And she says, he, she is at the master's table. And Jesus has said, no, I came for the Jews. But she's saying, no, yes, you may have came for the Jews, and you may be saying that, but really, Jesus, I know who you are. You're the Messiah. You came for the world. And even though the Jewish people rejected Jesus, she isn't. She knows who he is. She sees Jesus for who he is. She sees him because he, as the Messiah. Now that silence that, that day might have been deafening. The silence that the woman, when Jesus was silent, she could have used that and, and lost hope. She could have used that as a sign of rejection. Instead, she used that silence as an opportunity to pursue Jesus even more. 
I bet that's a silence that a lot of us feel in this room. Silence that we need to use when we feel that there's just silence and nobody cares. Silence that we need to, to pursue Jesus even more, just like this woman did. And we might need to experience silence sometimes. Not fill this silence with a bunch of other stuff. But we don't need to take this silence as what the disciples said that, that, Jesus, that this woman's bothering Jesus. We need to embrace it and pour deeper into that silence in our pursuit of Jesus and begin to worship Him. We might be seeking answers and it might appear that Jesus is just being silent. I've been seeking some answers for years about some specific things and every time I think I have an answer, I see it unravel. And then there's more silence. So what am I left to do with the silence? I'm waiting. Waiting for doors to open and waiting for doors to close. But I have a choice. I can fill the silence with other stuff or I can continue to pursue Jesus. And I bet many of you have a similar story. Because it really comes down to what are you going to do with the silence? Are you going to fill it with the world? Are you going to fill it with all the stuff the world says you should do? Which I'm sorry, a lot of times it's destructive. Trying to break that silence. Are you going to sit in that silence and are you going to fill it with Jesus? And just sit and remain silent. I want to end today with just a, just a little short verse out of Ecclesiastes 3.7. Time to be quiet and a time to speak. Time to be silent and maybe a time to break that silence. Because that's a trick about silence. When do we need to be silent and when do we need to speak? When do we need to speak for those that can't speak? I can't answer that question for you. I know somebody that can. Jesus can answer that. But you might need to remain silent long enough to let Jesus reveal that answer to you. You might need to seek some silence in order to figure that out. You may have also, you may have been in some silence. And you may have been in the silence and it's time to break your silence. It's time to be a voice for those that don't have a voice. We've seen silence sometimes is a bad thing, but it's also a good thing. So we need to learn to be silent. We need to let Jesus reveal to you when to be silent and when to be the voice. Voice for those that don't have a voice. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray for those of us in this room that, that we learn about silence that we learn that just because maybe you're silent that doesn't mean you don't care that doesn't mean that you've left us that doesn't mean that that you're going to let us just suffer or continue to be trapped in what we're trapped in or maybe sometimes being silent is for us to pursue you more maybe that time that we feel like we're silent is that 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 you're trying to reveal something to us and you want us to be silent so that we will hear, so that we will listen, so that we will see. And Lord, there might be some of us in this room that, that we know something's going on and it's time to break the silence. It's time to speak some words. But it's time to speak words in love. And it's time to speak, speak words against the enemy 
Or it's time to break the silence, Lord, to, to get somebody out of a situation, Lord, that is harmful. So, Lord, we just pray that, that, that you continue to, to speak to us, but we continue to seek you and pursue you even in those moments of silence. And we begin to have silence become part of our daily rhythm, that we seek that silence and we seek that silence with you. Maybe there's somebody in this room right now that that, that silence has been deafening in your life. And that silence has made you uncomfortable. So you've pursued anything and everything but God. But right now in this silence, you hear God's voice. You hear Jesus crying out to you. You see Jesus saying, come home. You see Jesus, pursue me. Accept this gift I gave to you on the cross. Accept this forgiveness. Accept this restoration so that you can also have a voice, that you can be part of the family. And you want to say yes to Jesus. You want to say yes to what he did on the cross. You want to receive that forgiveness. And you want your silence now filled with Jesus, not with the world. So if that's you, if you want to just look up at me, maybe raise your hand. Say, yes, I'm saying yes to Jesus. I'm saying yes to him. Lord, just thank you. Lord, I, 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 silence is hard. Lord, but I just pray that we learn to have that as part of our, our daily routine, Lord. But it is centered and focused on you, and we pursue you more in that silence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.